0: Hello listeners, welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 301 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are unearthing the seven mind traps or the seven blocks, if you will, that prevent us from successful decluttering. Filling our homes with stuff often leaves us feeling empty. Empty doesn't it? And if you've ever tried to Marie Kondo spark joy your way out of clutter but found yourself unsuccessful, it's likely because decluttering only sticks when we address why we're attracting the clutter in the first place. Today I am speaking with celebrity decluttering expert and author Tracy McCubbin. In her work with thousands, and I mean thousands of clients, Tracy has honed in on seven clutter blocks that hold us back from living that minimalist life we seek to live. Now, this is a decluttering episode, absolutely. But it's more than that. It's less about decluttering, and it's more about getting to the root of of the human condition. Holy moly, you'll see what I mean as you listen. Tracy, so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good, Stephanie. I'm really good. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Stuff has a hold on people, and that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about your concept of clutter blocks. You have seven of them. We're going to do our best to get to all of them today. What on earth is a clutter block?
1: After years of working with clients, I realized that we all of us humans, and specifically I, when I talk about it, I talk about people in the United States because that's the bulk of my clients. We all tell these same stories about why we can't let go of the stuff that we don't want, need, or use anymore. We've created this narrative about our stuff and we can't let go, and people are telling the same seven stories over and over again. And so it just was really empowering. It was really empowering to name them and to say to people like, look, you're not alone. Your story isn't unique. We all do this. And it became an excuse. So I started to talk about them. I started to speak on them and it resonated with people. And the first step was I discovered my own clutter block. And I was like, oh, this is mine. And from there, it just really gives people an insight that, oh, this is a thing. Like, this is not just messy. I'm not just a bad housekeeper, that there's this huge emotional component to it. Stuff comes to us with no meaning, right? No meaning. It's just a thing. And we dump all the meaning on it. We give it all the meaning in the world. And so we have the ability to take the meaning away or reframe the meaning. And so that's what these clutter blocks are. It's a way of understanding why you're doing what you're doing, why you're not letting go. And I think the interesting thing, and I say this as a child of a hoarder, I think there's this in-between land of people who are cluttered but don't have hoarding disorder and they were like, I'm not a hoarder, I'm taking the test, I'm not a hoarder, but I can't let go of this stuff. So it was like this in-between world that I was like, here's why, because you're emotionally attached, you're blocked.
0: You've mentioned there that you understood your own clutter block as a step to understanding all seven. So let's start with your clutter block. What is your clutter block? Explain it to us. Sure. So my
1: clutter block is clutter block number three, avoiding my stuff. I don't open my mail as often as I should I let things pile up I don't do my filing I don't like to look at voicemails. I avoid the business of being a grown-up and so it creates all this paper clutter I mean I always say there's admin of being an adult there's your business and there's all that but being an adult you have administrative stuff you got to pay your bills, and I just it's the thing. I was like, I just can't, and it comes from it comes from growing up the way that I did, and that money was tight, and money sometimes there was a lot, and sometimes there was no, and so I don't want to open bills, and I had gotten myself in very bad debt years ago, and it was like I just didn't want to know that it was there instead of facing it, and so paper is my thing. It's my thing.
0: Paper is the thing for a lot of people. There is one person in my life. The bills, the mail just pile up for months and months because the stress that's associated with opening it is greater than the anxiety associated with leaving it on the corner and staring at it every day. What do you suggest as step one to your clients who have that tendency to avoid?
1: The first step is to acknowledge that it doesn't get better by ignoring it. There's no problem that gets better by ignoring it. And that problem is still there and it's going to get worse. There was a thing on Twitter, I don't know, a a couple months ago where all these people were saying, they were just talking about something they'd put off for six months, a year, and then how long it actually took them to do it. So I always tell my clutter block number three people, pick the thing that you've been avoiding and putting off and see how long it actually takes you to do it and resolve it. And most of the time it's, oh yeah, I made that phone call I didn't want to make and it was six minutes and it's all cleaned up. And also acknowledge how much better you feel because even though you're avoiding it and i can say it because i do it it's always in the back of your head you know it's there right you know the interest is racking up you know that you, the lawyer's written and so my whole practice with my clients is we focus on the success we start small we start with the least emotional stuff and really say like how does this feel like how, what did you gain and it's always starting with a vision what's the vision why do you want to declutter Why? Do you want to clear out your guest room so people can come visit? Do you want to stop paying for the storage bill? Why do you want to declutter? And when it's avoiding this stuff, it usually comes back to money. usually comes back to money issues. And sometimes people have to do a little bit of work on that. Sometimes people have to do a lot. But we always think we need to be brave to do the hard thing. And that's what you actually get after you do it. You have to do it to earn the courage. So I would say pick one and see how good it feels to
0: get it done. Yeah. We started with your clutter block. So why don't we continue with mine? I should say that on your website, listeners, you can take a free quiz to find out what your clutter block is. And so I took your quiz, Tracy, and my clutter block is, I forgot the exact phrase, but basically the one which says that I'm not worth my good stuff. And I... First of all, when I read this, I was shocked because I didn't think that sounded like me. But the more I thought about it, that is so me. Like, I have nice pants, but I wear my ratty-taddy yoga pants every single day. You can't see right now, Tracy, but I'm wearing my ratty-taddy sweatpants right now. So for people like me whose clutter block is the fact that they don't feel worthy of using their good stuff, talk to me about that. What can we do? How can we remedy this? Oh, that's
1: my, that's, this is one of my favorite ones to work with people on. It's clutter block number five. I'm not worth my good stuff. I just helped clean out a house of women, family. The parents had passed away in their nineties and the grown kids. We do a lot of decluttering states after people passed. And I found wedding gifts that they had never opened. When you think like, that's they're married for 50 years. Like they never used that. And so it's really like acknowledging there may not be a tomorrow, maybe not. And today is special. Like burn the fancy candle, use the nice lotion, wear the nice blouse, eat pizza off of your china. Why have it if you're not going to use it? Turn it into a celebration of you. Turn it into a celebration of you. And look, there may be a world where you're like, I like to wear my ratty yoga pants. Like, I don't really like to wear fancy trousers. So sometimes in this clutter block, we find out that if a reshifting of accepting ourselves, but if you have nice stuff, celebrate you. Celebrate today. After what we've been through for the last couple of years, celebrate, enjoy it, do it, eat off the nice china, burn the candles.
0: Yes. If we're constantly waiting for that one day to use the fine china or the crystal or wear the nice dress, we might very well be disappointed because life is happening right now. If it's important enough to keep keep around, to keep maintaining, to keep housing in your home, then it's worth wearing or using now. I had a guest on the show one time. She said that every Tuesday night is dinner on the fine China night. And the kids love it because they feel special and loved and important. And she loves it because she has a set of, I don't know, 18 fancy dishes that she uses once a year, if that. And so the dishes are getting used. The kids feel special. It's a win-win.
1: It's so great, right? It's so great. I've been seeing a big thing on TikTok about sort of women encouraging other women, don't wait till you get to the right size to wear that bikini. Wear it. Wear the bikini. Wear the shorts. Wear
0: the tank top. You're worried about your jiggly arms. Like like today, wear it today. We're going to take a break, Tracy, for this week's sponsors. But when we come back, we are going to talk about what I think is likely the most popular clutter block, and then I'm gonna ask you if I'm right. That's after a quick break from this week's sponsor. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. And we're back with Tracy McCubbin. Tracy has a new book out, and it is called Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want. What a great title, Tracy. Before the break, we talked about your clutter block, which was the avoidance stuff, the stuff you're avoiding, and mine, which is the... Clutter block of which I'm keeping around all this good stuff. I'm not worth my good stuff to use it. So now we're on to what I think is likely the most common clutter block. And I'll be honest, it's a tie between numbers one and six. But let's go with number one, which I think is essentially the sentimental clutter. The clutter block being my stuff keeps me in the past. Is this the most popular that you or the most common that you've seen and if so how do you help your clients work through this clutter block you are so right
1: number 1 and number 6 are neck and neck especially with the sandwich generation like i'm that, i'm seeing both of these with people who have kids and aging parents. I'm like, they're right in the middle. Clutter block number one, my stuff keeps me stuck in the past. It's just fascinating. And it's really this based in this idea. So it's hanging on to things, trophies and every piece of art your kid made. And I had somebody DM me on Instagram to say that they, they had bridal magazines that had the Two dresses that they didn't end up buying, but they couldn't let go of. I was like, wait, what? You you wore a different dress. She was like, they were the ones I really wanted, but I didn't get them. And it was such a stuck in the past. And this, is, this one can be about regret. And the messaging behind this one is really telling you that your best days are behind you. This is a big one of clothes you don't fit into anymore. I'm 57. My body has changed. Gravity has hit. There are things that I will never be able to wear again, but you know what? I'm 57 and I'm still here. I think it's also helping people understand that when you keep so much of the past, none of it means anything anymore. If you have every piece of paper your kid, every piece of art your kid made, every homework assignment, then it just becomes boxes and boxes of old paper. But if you have one box of the autobiography they wrote about themselves and their first self-portrait and some really amazing things that will delight you to look at it when they're grown up, that means something. But if you have every math test, if you have every spelling test, it just takes away the value. So I think you know for this clutter block, that's the stuff that we unpack. Why are you hanging on to it? And a lot of times, this this one, my stuff keeps me in the past. It really does get my mom's. The moms are really about this, and it's hard. Your kids grow up, but holding on to that stuff doesn't keep them this little anymore.
0: It's the saying that one of my guests, Rose Lounsbury, came on the show and offered up if everything's a favorite, then nothing's a favorite. You have to distinguish the truly special items from all the minutiae, and you do that by letting go of the minutiae so that the best stuff, the favorite stuff, the most sentimental, heartwarming stuff can naturally rise to the top and get all of the attention. Let's move on to your clutter block that I need help with because I'm confused. That is clutter block number two. My stuff tells me who I am. What does this mean?
1: So, this is my shoppers. So these are people who are like, oh my God, I got this on sale. I'm so frugal that their identity is in consuming, that it's either super high end and it has to have a label on it, it has to have a logo on it, it has to be designer or it's the different side of the same coin. Like I got this on sale and I'm, this is who I am. I'm a shopper and I'm a bargain hunter. And I always find with people, this, it's almost always about loneliness. This one's almost always about loneliness. Years ago, a friend of mine said to me, she was a smoker back then And she said, the thing about being a smoker is I'm never lonely because I'm never at home by myself on a Saturday night. I'm actually having a cigarette and sitting on my balcony. I'm never awkward at a party. I can go have a cigarette. But the cigarette was an activity to not have to face how she was feeling. And I feel like that this is what this is. That it's I'm always busy because I bought a bunch of stuff and now I have to return it and I have to try it on. And it's really filling an empty hole. It's really filling an empty hole. Look, I clicked not collect, but I have a few beautiful vintage Gucci purses. I love them. They're beautifully designed. They're pieces of art. I carry them. I love them. I go into people's house where they have every pair of Gucci shoes ever made. And like your guest said, if everything's the favorite, nothing's the favorite. Yeah.
0: I wonder if part of the moving on, dare I say, healing process, if anybody listening feels like, Number two, my stuff tells me who I am resonates with them. I wonder if part of moving on from that clutter block is to first address the loneliness. What do you think about that? 100%. I believe one of the keys
1: to clutter is that we're we're lacking in human connection. And you brought it up and I'll just jump to it. But clutter block number six is trapped with other people's stuff. And you know, at the base level, this is grown kids have been moved out of the house and you have all their stuff. But what this one's really about is stuff from people who have passed away. You know that you have a garage full of old furniture and you have everything, you have every lipstick your mother had ever worn. And what I always tell people is, you don't want the stuff, you want to stay connected to the person who's gone. So you think as long as you keep the stuff, the connection's still there. And what I say is the connection's there the connections there. That person is in your heart and it's grief and you may never get over it. But I think all this stuff actually keeps you trapped. I had a woman tell me at a book signing one time that she was very emotional about it. She'd lost her mother. They were clearly very close. And she said she has on her dresser when she gets dressed every morning, she has everything that was on the nightstand when her mother passed away. So it was the medicine and the, all the pens and like all this stuff. And it, uh, she was in the room when she passed and it was obviously harrowing. And she just said, I just can't let it go. But every night she relived the experience every night when she looked at that stuff again. And people have said this so many times to me. I feel like when I'm letting go of their stuff, I'm killing them all over again or I'm losing them all over again. And so what I always encourage people with this one is, again, if you have everything of this person that passed away, it ceases to be special. Get it down. Like your favorite picture of the two of you together. The thing that when you look at it, it reminds you of the best days with them. It doesn't make it easier, but you're not stuck or trapped wallowing in the pain of losing them.
0: I am by no means an expert on the human condition, and I am still trying to figure it out, just like everybody else. But I do believe that every single human being on this planet, we're all united in the fact that we all want to be heard and loved, and we want to feel a sense of connection. And I do feel in my capacity as the host of this podcast, getting to talk to amazing, wonderful people like you, that A lot of times we tend to use stuff as a stand-in, perhaps, for that connection, that love that we're searching for. Do you find that in your capacity as a professional organizer who's helped thousands of people? Absolutely. Absolutely. And And a lot of times,
1: clutter block number six people can just as easily be you lost someone you love dearly, but a lot of times it's lost someone that you've had a very difficult relationship with, that you're hanging on because you haven't healed. It's still there and you're still living it and trying to work through and maybe that your mother didn't show up for you in the way. And it's this kind of, I don't want, I don't like to say the word broken, but something unhealed inside of you. And Oprah has that, I'm going to paraphrase it and not get it right, but Oprah has that amazing quote where she says, Forgiveness is accepting that you can't change the events of the past, but that you can move forward, that the future can be different. We use stuff for all those reasons, to fill those holes and to avoid. And literally, I would say this, people buy, have the stuff to stuff their feelings, create a wall. And it is, it's just, we want to be connected. And again, I love that you say that. I am by no means an expert in the human condition. I'm blundering my way through it too. But we do these things, drink too much, eat too much, buy too much stuff. And the kind of the simple things are right there. What your grandma told you, take a walk, get some exercise, be of service, do something for somebody else. You want to feel good about yourself. You want to feel like you're contributing, do something for someone else. Have a gratitude practice, count your blessings, you know, that, have connection, call a friend, take a walk with them. Like those really simple things that we've always been told are it. You're going to get that beautiful dress home and then it's going to hang in your closet and it's going to lose all its magic. It's never going to look as beautiful as it did hanging in the store window. And then that feeling's going to go away and you're like, I'm going to need it again. And so you buy more and then the feeling starts to, it doesn't last as long. So yes, I do think we are using stuff for all the wrong reasons and it never works. It never works. It never works. And I have been in homes of people who have lots of stuff. I've been in homes where people have beautiful things and it never works.
0: Yeah, your answer there makes me think about something I've been working on in my very personal life, my inner life, with regard to short-term band-aids and long-term solutions, right? Buying the thing or drinking the wine or eating the extra dessert or whatever we do in the short-term to feel better. It's really just a band-aid. It's a band-aid, but it's also kicking the can down the road a bit to delay the the bigger, the harder work. And we were talking about Clutterbox and now we're talking about the human condition. But for anybody listening who has that tendency to use stuff or to use alcohol or to use food or whatever the thing is, shopping, whatever it is, as a substitute for that true human connection and the unconditional love that we're all seeking, my words of encouragement for you would be, even though it's scary to do the, to do the hard work, to do the big work, just take one step in that direction.
1: Totally, I always say to clients: wherever you go, there you are. You know, like I always say to me: Well, I just need a bigger house. If I had a bigger house, first of all, if you get a bigger house, you will just fill it up. Like you will just fill it up. So that's not going to be a solution. However uncomfortable or sad or lonely you feel here, when you go to the next place, you take that with you. You're not going to figure it out by shopping your way through it. You got to do the work (laughs) Casey. thank
0: you so much for this conversation we're talking about true connection and i feel as though i have it with you so thank you so much for coming on the show thank you stephanie it was great i'm so excited to connect with you and your listeners listeners that's a wrap my friends the show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 301 I should say Tracy has a new book out in three short weeks. It is titled Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want. It goes, so the text goes deeper than we went today. And if you're saying to yourself, oh my goodness, how much deeper can we go? You went pretty deep today. You can go deeper. I've linked to the book in this week's show notes if you'd like to pre-order the book and have it on your doorstep on release day, which is October 4th. I will be back on Thursday. I will see you then. Reach out if you need me and take care.